Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everybody. This is Rick Thomas, and we're doing Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me. One of our mastermind students asked me if I would just share a little bit about the details of having the sex talk with our son. It was several years ago, uh, but as he is rearing his children with his wife, he's coming to that place to where uh, he wants to be thinking about how to do this with his children. And so I thought, yeah, this is a great idea because uh, this applies to so many people. And so I had the sex talk with our son when he was 12 years old. We took, I took him to the beach for just a few days to discuss the most intimate relational dynamic between a man and a woman. Now, by the way, when Lucia had uh, the sex talk with our daughters, she really went through the same process with our girls, though they went to the mountains instead of the beach. And so I trust that as you listen to this or watch the video, uh, that you will be able to gain some ideas and benefit from the perspectives that will serve you, particularly if you're planning uh, to speak to your children about the most intimate and relational dynamic that a man and a woman can have together. Now, let me give you just a brief warning here. I do recommend that parents, uh, you can read the show notes, you can watch the video, you can listen to the podcast. That's fantastic. You can do all three. But I recommend that you do this uh, before your children have access to it, especially if they have not uh, had that journey with you uh, through the sex talk, because I'm going to talk in a more mature way than I typically do with the podcast and the videos that I create. By the way, if you want to read the show notes, go to episode 456, and the title of this is The Particulars of the Sex Talk I Had With Our Son. Now, the reason that we were having the sex talk with him, he was 12 years old, uh, but he was about ready to go into uh, middle school, go into co-op. It's kind of a hybrid between homeschooling and a, a public educational setting. Now, as I share that with you, I do want you to know that uh, there are many different ways to uh, educate your children. And so as I share what we did with our child, uh, I don't want you to think that that is the way because the Bible doesn't teach the way of educating children. And so there are many ways. And so this is the way that we did it. Now, perhaps you uh, you did it differently or you're doing it differently, or if you haven't got that gotten to that place yet, you will choose differently from us. And that is fantastic. I'm just sharing a way, not the way. And so the way for us was, is that we reared our children in a homeschool environment for uh, the first several years of their lives, up to middle school or high school, it depended on the child. And the reason we chose that is because uh, character development for us was more important than academics. And so we wanted to have our children within our primary sphere of influence as much as we possibly could uh, so that we could train them, teach them from a character perspective what the Bible teaches. We wanted them to interact with us, mom and dad, as much as they possibly could, as well as interacting with each other so that they can learn such things as conflict resolution and many other things as siblings can interact with each other. And so the first eight years 
And again, it's depending, you know, maybe six years for our oldest daughter. She went right into co-op right at middle school. But we wanted the first half dozen or so years to be an environment of grace to where they can just mature as little humans. And then we began to emphasize academics a little more as they entered into their high school years. As far as high school for us, for those of you who want to know, uh, our children went to a charter school of about 400 to 500 students, and it was an excellent learning environment for them. And so that's how we did it. And again, you may do it differently. But what I wanted to do with all three of our children is I wanted to get out in front of them before they went into a broader social environment within a school system because I knew that they would be introduced to things that uh, they had not heard before, words and language and ideas and worldviews that we do not adhere to, we do not believe, and they would be exposed to these things. And of course, the sex talk, it was important that we teach our children language that is associated with sex and sexuality, and we also teach them worldview, and we also teach them what biblical intimacy is. Uh, And so again, we wanted to do that before they headed into that broader social environment, assuming that that character development foundation, it was laid very well, and then we could put on top of that this most intimate and mature conversation that you will have with a young child. As far as the curriculum that we used, we chose Passport to Purity. Now, there are many good resources out there in Passport to Purity. I haven't looked at it in years, so I can't tell you where it's at in its evolution. I'm, I would imagine that they have continued to evolve it and enhanced it over the years, but I haven't looked at it in a long time, and so I can just tell you what we used back then when we had the sex talk with our children. But I would encourage you that whatever curriculum that you do use, that you do not just map it over uh, your children. Uh, One reason for that is because each child is different. And then two, uh, you need to adapt it from a bibliocentric perspective. Uh, You want to to bring the right biblical attitudes and teachings into the curriculum that you're using because you know exactly who your child is and what your child needs. And if you have two, three, or four children, you know that uh, you will adapt it differently for each child, again, because they're all different. Uh, The beauty of having a curriculum is that it will cover bases that you might not think of, and so that's what I appreciated about Passport to Purity. Uh, It gave us a comprehensive understanding of the sex talk because we wanted to make sure that we communicated in the most effective ways and did it the right way. I mean, you know, parents are new at every beat that they take with their oldest child anyway, at least their oldest child. We're all new at it. And so we don't know until we actually know. And so when you come up to the sex talk, it's good to have an assistant. It's good to have a template. It's good to have information before you so that you can think through it before you step into this opportunity with your child. That's one of the reasons that I'm doing this uh, right here. But Passport to Purity helped us to hit all of those beats and nothing fell through the cracks. But again, it is essential that you adapt it to 
to the uniqueness and peculiarities of your child. In this case, it was our son. Now, as far as the particulars is concerned, we rented a truck and we drove down to the beach, which is about five hours from where we live here in South Carolina. We have a generous friend who uh, had a beach house at the time, and, and he loves us, and so he had provided that beach house for us for numerous occasions. We've been down there many times. Our children have grown up uh, in that house. And one of the reasons that I wanted to go there is because it was a familiar environment for him. We were going to have a super mature, super serious conversation, and so I wanted him to be in an environment to where he was as comfortable as he possibly could be. I did not want to overwhelm him. And so being in a place that he was familiar with, doing things that he loved to do, being at the beach, it helped to take the edge off the conversation conversation that he did not know was was coming. And so we went down to our beach house and and what I did and and I do recommend this is that you intersperse fun inside these sober conversations that you're having with your child. Now, that is also a counseling philosophy that I have had forever. Uh, I believe that humor and winsomeness is is an excellent antidote, happiness and joy, having fun. Uh, Those are excellent antidotes for deep conversations that you have with people. And during counseling sessions, uh, there has been lots of laughter, lots of humor, lots of joking, lots of fun conversations, because I have found that counselees, and I can't do this either, by the way, but counselees can't stay deep for two hours uh, without a break. And so there has to be a rhythm in the counseling session where you come up for air, and I have found that humor has been an excellent way to maintain a better rhythm. And then as we come up and exhale and take a brief break, and then we go down into these deeper conversations, well, that is the philosophy that I also had uh, with the sex talk. And so with our son, uh, what I did, we went to the beach, of course. There's a flea market down there that we love going to. We always go to the flea market and meet our friend, Ari, who is from Africa. And we've had numerous conversations with her. Uh, We had a golf car that uh, the owners of this beach house have. And so we went riding through the neighborhood. We went uh, what you call uh, flea... um, yard selling uh, in the neighborhood with the golf car and and other opportunities with it. We also took a helicopter trip, uh, which was fun. Uh, We played uh, bingo uh, with the old friends at the bingo uh, in the uh, neighborhood. That was fun. Uh, Our son selected the food that he wanted to eat, and so uh, it was a, I wouldn't say it was the most healthy diet that he ever had, but we had fun eating a lot of food. There was a heated pool there. Uh, We went to watch The Jungle Book, uh, the movie, which was out at that time. We had two jumbo-sized tubs of buttered popcorn. There was a giant chessboard in this uh, area uh, that had these human-sized chess pieces, and we played uh, that. And then at the flea market, uh, I bought him a purity throwing star. Uh, Some people have a purity ring they give to their girls, uh, which is great. Our girls had two purity rings, but my son was not interested in a purity ring. 
and I don't even think I suggested it, but a purity throwing star. And so I bought him, I think it was three steel or metal uh, throwing stars, and it was just absolutely perfect. And so he hasn't used them because he hasn't been approached or attacked by a female, and so he hasn't had any need to use his throwing star, but he still has them in his room. And so he was very excited to get those throwing stars. I'm kind of modifying it, saying a purity throwing star, but that's not really what he was thinking. He was just very glad to get a throwing star. So those were some of the things that we did. And again, it was interspersed with some deep conversation. And again, that gave us a good rhythm because of the nature of what we were talking about. Now, as far as the talk is concerned, well, as we were going down uh, to the beach, it was a four and a half, five hour trip. What I did with him and also did with our girls, and so before our girls went up to the mountains with uh, Lucia for the actual sex talk, I had a a time of theology of words. I wanted to teach them about language. By the way, in this episode, in episode 456, there is an article that's linked here, and the title of the article is, is that wise parents teach their children how to curse. Now, it's kind of a sensational title, but that is exactly what wise parents should do. As I said earlier, our son was going into middle school, and so he was going to learn words and language and perspectives and worldviews that he just did not know. And so what I wanted to do with him as we were going down to the beach and what I did with our daughters when their time for the sex talk came, I began to walk them through a theology of words. And so uh, with my son, our son, I asked him, I said, do you, know, do you know what curse words are? Which actually he did not. And so I had to explain what curse words mean and then cuss words, uh, what that means, the synonym, and then we begin to walk through uh, words, a theology of words. For example, I talked to him about the word but. The word but is a conjunction. Uh, but the word but is also a crass way of talking about your, your buttocks, uh, your rear end, a part of your anatomy. And so it, the, the conversation was just like that. And then I talked about a burrow, and then a donkey, and then an ass, as far as a burrow is concerned, and then ass as far as butt and buttocks is concerned. Again, a theology of language. And so I didn't get into the sexual language at this time because we did not uh, have the talk. Uh, but I told him, I talked to him about damn, the word damn. Uh, like at a reservoir, D-A-M, and then I explained the word damn, D-A-M-N. And then I talked to him about motivation for words, words and the motive, uh, motive of the heart, that how we say things. Uh, you can say a certain word, you could say the word ass and it'd be fine, but you would not call somebody an ass, for example, the motive of the heart. And so we, we got into that as well. I did ask him on the way to the beach. I said, do you know any curse words? He said that he did. Now, he was, he was embarrassed uh, to tell me the curse words that he knew. In fact, so I was trying to draw it out of him, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't tell me, which I really appreciated that his conscience was at such a level that he did not want to tell me the curse words that he knew. And so uh, I began to act like, 
Pat Sajak on, um, what is it, Will of Fortune, uh, where I was like buying vows. And I said, you know, is it this or that? And, and he told me, he said, well, I know the F word and, and the S word. And I thought, oh, my. Uh, well, where did you learn that? I'm thinking. And I said, well, what do you mean by the F word and S word? And that's where it became particularly challenging for him. And then eventually we got to the point I bought enough vows, there are not that many, uh, and he told me what the S word and the F word uh, are, and he said the word fart and the word stupid. Those were the two, that was the F and the S word. You see, we don't use those words in our home. We never have. Uh, I don't like the F word. I just don't like it. That's That's just me. And then the word stupid, I really can't. It is crass, but it is hard to even use that word without having a bad connotation, or it's just not a word that I want to use when I talk to someone or about someone. So those are two words that we just don't use in our home. Now, if you do, that's fine. That's between you and the Lord and your family, whatever. I don't care, but we don't. And so when he began to understand what curse words were, the only two that he knew were F and S, as I have uh, described them to you. And so I was relieved, to be honest with you. And so we had that theology of words and language down uh, to the beach. And then we did all of those things that I described before at different times over the three, uh, two and a half, three days that we were there. And then, of course, the Passport to Purity walked us through. It was a multi-part sex talk. Uh, is is what it was, and so it kind of ramped up until uh, the the at the apex of it, where we talked about intercourse, and of course at that point we were sitting in the truck, and I was explaining uh, how uh, babies happen, and then uh, he was sweating, and I asked him uh, right after that, I said, "Hey, would you like to go ride in a helicopter?" He said, "Yeah, let's go." He was ready to get out of that truck. He was he was squirming. Now, with the Passport to Purity uh, program, there were projects to do as well, and so we went through those, and we did all of those things, and and that was the sex talk. Uh, That's how it went over uh, those two and a half or three days. Now, on the way back, I wanted to revisit a, a theology of language because now he had received the secret handshake, and I told him, uh, as I told our daughters, the way it happened for our daughters is I had the theology of language um, conversation with them before they went to the mountains with Lucia, and then they went up, and Lucia did all that, and they had fun, and uh, went on uh, tubing and, and did different things. And then they came back, and then uh, I met with Lucia and each daughter uh, at their unique times, and we had dinner, and then I gave them the purity ring, and then we talked, uh, followed up. And of course, with our daughters, Lucia took them uh, to the store, and they uh, bought hygiene products and so forth. And so uh, there was, I, I was on the front end and the back end of that, and we had a meal uh, with our daughters at that time. With our son, uh, we came back, and on the way back, I wanted to follow up with language. So now I could talk about sex. I could talk about porn. I can talk about gay. I could talk about things that really wouldn't have made any sense to him because the only two curse, slang, crass words that he knew were the F word and 
and the S word. And I remember asking him, uh, I said, do you know what, what gay is? And uh, he said, yeah, that's when two men um, like each other. And I don't remember the specifically how he uh, described it. But when he described it, there were, there were two observations that I had when he described it. One, he described it like, like he was telling me the difference between vanilla and chocolate ice cream. Like there was nothing wrong with it. And, and, and so that was one, and I want to come back to that observation in just a second. But the second observation is that uh, he knew what that meant. And I thought, man, you don't even know what F and S means, but you know what homosexuality means, and you know what being gay means. And that's when it occurred to me is that you remember when I said I wanted to get out in front of our son before he got into middle school? The indoctrination is already happening in your home and in your children's lives. And so you really need to think strategically and intelligently about getting out in front of them because the world is not holding back. And you may think that you, you have all your fingers in the, the dike, but uh, no, you don't. And he had already had been familiar with, in some way, a vague, ambiguous, conceptual way in the abstract, but he knew what it meant. And, and I thought, wow, you don't know what FNS means, but you know what this means. And then the second observation, what I said, is that it was like describing the difference between vanilla and chocolate ice cream. And I was thinking about that the way that I thought about homosexuality and the gay lifestyle when I was a kid, uh, that's not how I thought about it. In, in fact, we, we had a lot of disgust and sometimes hatred toward gay people. Now, I want to be careful here. I don't hate gay people at all. They're made in the image of God. And unfortunately, as a unregenerate, as a non-Christian kid growing up, uh, I was mean toward them and had very harsh attitudes toward them as human beings, and that was wrong. The lifestyle is sinful, but the end of, just like I do sinful things as well. Well, being gay is a sinful lifestyle that the Bible condemns, but being hateful toward. Uh, people who sin is sinful itself. But nevertheless, that is the environment in which I grew up in. And then you index forward a couple generations, and here I am with my son, and he's talking about it as a 12-year-old, radically different from the way I thought about it when I was a 12-year-old, and that's what I want you to see. You see, not only has the indoctrination and the worldview come into your family to where they know what it is, but they're not repulsed by it. They don't see anything wrong with it. And that's important. And so that was a aha moment for me. In fact, there's an article in these uh, show notes in episode 400. And 56, and it's titled, It's Okay, and I put okay in air quotes. It's okay to be gay, and you need to know why. And the reason I wrote that article is because some of us are stuck in a generation to where we have not indexed forward, recognizing that our children are so 
influenced and indoctrinated by transgenderism, by homosexuality, the gay lifestyle, that they're okay with it, that they don't have a problem with it. And we may think that they think about it the way that we do. No. The progressive agenda and the homosexual or, or the LGBTQI lobby has been so aggressive, and I trust that you know this, that you're not keeping that worldview out and away from your children, that they may not know curse words, but they know what gay is and transgenderism. They know what that is because they've they've been influenced by it through the media that comes in through the various devices that they have, the movies that they watch, the friends that they hang out in the neighborhood. And you have to get out in front of this. And so when he described it, it's like you don't even know what a curse word is, but you know what this is. And you not only know what this is, but there's no offense. You don't even see it as sin. And so as we had that conversation coming back home, uh, that was eye-open. As I was trying to open his eyes to help him to see the difference between right and wrong, my eyes were opening too, thinking, oh my, the culture is already a Ahead of me, and uh, I needed to catch up so that I could inform my son what the Bible teaches, and I did. And so this is episode 456. I've titled it The Particulars of the Sex Talk that I had with our son. I want to wrap up by making a few uh, observations, and one of them is that I've just made that there is a cultural generational gap between you and your child. And the culture is uh, more ingre- more aggressive than you think, and their ability to get into your your child's psyche, into their soul, uh, is uh, not a challenge for them. I mean, even the algorithms of the platforms that they go on are aligned, and they are steadied, and they're ready uh, to. Uh, grab your child's mind and to lead them into their world by popping up pictures and links and just by typing the most innocuous words into a search uh, engine. And then these evangelists, these social, cultural, unregenerate evangelists are out there and they're ready to begin the indoctrination. And if your child is is struggling with fear or, or insecurity or if there's instability in your family, if there's some form of dysfunction in your family, like say between husband and wife, for example, and their Adam, the child's Adamic fallenness has, has grown exponentially, uh, there can be an, an appeal to the algorithmic invitation to uh, go where these evangelists want to lead them, and they are making tremendous headway. They have a lot of advantage, and so it's important that we understand uh, that there is a generational gap between the parent and the child, and that generational gra- gap is growing uh, at an accelerated rate because of how technology is continuing to evolve. So that's ob- observation number one. There is a cultural generational gap between you and your child. Let that be a warning. Number two, only have four observations. Number two, as parents, we should be incrementally introducing our children to the world. 
Uh, for example, there was a show that was on. We don't watch TV a lot, uh, but back in the day, there was a show called Cops. And when our children were younger, we would watch that show. And sometimes we had to uh, turn it off because of whatever the content was. But one of the reasons, well, the reason that I wanted to watch this, well, there's two. I wanted to teach the children to respect authority, in this case, specifically police officers. And so that was part of that. I want them to respect authority, specifically police officers. And so whenever that we were out and about, if we ever meet a police officer or a military person, we always go up to them and shake their hand and thank them for their service and just appreciate them and respect them as authority figures and also for the sacrifice that they make. But the other reason that we were watching cops is I wanted to teach them about how the world operates in more of a G and PG way. And that's why we had to flip off the channel several times uh, because of sometimes those episodes were a little bit raunchy. But we wanted to incrementally teach our children because we, we knew that our children would only be children for like a half a second and they would be adults for all of their lives, basically. Children are only children for a decade, a decade and a half, if you want. Uh, But they are adults for 70, 80 years. And so we have been intentionally trying to incrementally, as appropriate, depending on the child. And one of the ways that we did that is we watched the show uh, Cops. Another thing that we did is that we... uh, introduced our children to adults uh, when they were very young. Our children have always been comfortable talking to adults, and so we would tag certain adults who were mature and and seemed to be uh, leading well and and having a a decent marriage, and so we wanted our children to associate uh, with those people to uh, address their fear of man issues and to be around other people who are doing uh, life well, biblically speaking, and so incrementally introducing them to their future so that uh, when you when they get older it's not like hey you're a teenager welcome to the adult world and there's no experience with being an adult at all and so number two observation we have been incrementally introducing our children to the world all along. Now, as they have matured, of course, theology of language has matured as well. That's another way we have been incrementally introducing them to the world. All right, number three, modify your talk for your child. Uh, You want to do that. You want to find your starting point. Each child has a unique starting point. Male, female, they think differently. They will be different in an IQ intellectual level. They will be different from a conscience level. They will be different from a spiritual maturity level. Maybe you have a child who's born again and a child who's not. Uh, And there's so many factors, the capacity uh, of the child. And so when you have the sex talk, you want to uh, sculpt it. So Passport to Purity gave us these mile markers that we could move up the road and make sure that we covered, hit all the bases as I've mixed my metaphors here. But also there had to be that modification. And then finally, when does the sex talk actually begin uh, for a child? The sex talk begins at birth. That's when the sex talk begins. You see, physical intimacy is the relationship between a, a man and a woman. 
And if you just have the sex talk outside of the context of a intimate relationship between a man and a woman, well, then we're talking about pornography. That's what we're talking about, pornography. And so the sex talk is many mile markers down the road when that child is 10, 11, 12, 13 years, depend on the child. That's the sex talk. But the process to it, it is a trail. And so what you want to do is to begin teaching your child about the sex talk when that child is born, specifically how the husband and wife interact with each other. Because it's not pornography. It is spiritual, physical intimacy between a man and a woman. And so you want to teach that child how to relate, how a man leads and serves and loves his wife and how a wife loves and serves her husband as well and how they interact, how they resolve conflict, how they uh, touch each other, how they talk to each other, how they respect each other, how they love each other. And they create a persona, an aura in the home between uh, the opposite sexes relating to each other. And then when you come time for the sex talk, a decade or so later, they have an environment, they have a a context, they have seen the living and the walking out of a man and woman interacting with each other with mutual respect, mutual love, mutual concern, mutual affection for each other. And then you have the sex talk And it's like, oh, it's in that context. It's not just a man and a woman having sex. No, it's a husband and a wife who are biblically, spiritually, physically intimate with each other, born out of a historical pattern of love and affection for each other. When does the sex talk begin with your child? When that child is born. This is episode 456, the particulars of the sex talk that I had with our son. And again, you can adapt this, and I trust that there's many things here that will benefit you as you uh, prepare to have the sex talk with your child. By the way, if you do not know, we do have a mastermind program. It's an all-online training program where we teach people, Christians, how to do discipleship or how to do biblical counseling, how to disciple another human being. It is about a three-year course. It's all online. Uh, It is an outstanding program. Many people have benefited from it, and so if you're interested in that, uh, you can find it. uh, You can find information about that at lifeovercoffee.com. We also have a new topical course, No More Fear, How to Overcome Being Controlled by the Opinions of Other People. If you want to do a smaller course, then I recommend that you do No More Fear. Again, it's all online as well, and it will benefit you because we all struggle with the fear of man. Being managed by the opinions of other people, maybe No More Fear would be uh, the perfect antidote for uh, this universal temptation. Thank you so much, and God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.